If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 110 and 114. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy power out of Zion. Be thou ruler, even in the midst among thine enemies. In the day of thy power shall thy people offer themselves willingly with an holy worship. Thy young men should come to thee as dew from the womb of the morning. The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord upon thy right hand shall wound even kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies and smite in sunder the heads over diverse countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up his head. Psalm 114. When Israel came out of Egypt and the house of Jacob from among the strange people, Judah was his sanctuary, and Israel his dominion. The sea saw that and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams, and the little hills like young sheep. What aileth thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, and thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? Ye mountains that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like young sheep. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. 
who turned the hard rock into a standing water and the flintstone into a springing well. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the fourteenth verse of the third chapter of the book of Zephaniah. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, do not let your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you. For I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generation shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Begins the 21st chapter of the Gospel of St. John. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were able they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish, fish which you have just caught. 
Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to, said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty God, who through thine only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, hast overcome death and opened unto us the gate of everlasting life, we humbly beseech thee that, as by thy special grace preventing us, thou dost put into our minds good desires, so by thy continual help we may bring the same to good effect. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all, and happy Easter to you. A couple of thoughts about our lessons for tonight. <clears throat> we begin with uh, the Psalms, which are, which are always helpful for showing us a lens through which to look at our readings. 
Um, and in the Psalms tonight, we have uh, Psalms 110 and 114. Um, and you have a, a the, sort of the establishment of this king priest um, in Psalm 110 that becomes the, the author of the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament makes a, lo a lot of um, sort of commentary about, and you could kind of look at that whole book kind of on a, as a commentary on on that Psalm right there um, and what that means. Um, and you have that this king priest is also divine in some way because um, the one who's being set down um, and having his enemies subdued beneath his feet is the Lord. And the one who is doing that subduing is also the Lord. Um, and this, of course, causes, you know, a, a bit of, you know, sort of a paradox that, you know, it's kind of you know, that, that becomes famously a, a famous riddle in this sort of Jewish scholarship that Jesus himself even plays upon. And, and sort of um, stymieing um, some people that were critiquing him. He asks them this, this sort of infamous rabbinical question of how this can be, how can the Lord, uh, you know, call this Davidic king Lord? Um, and and everyone just kind of can't answer the question. And, and the answer is found in him, you know? And so this, uh, this, you know, again, as we are looking at the, as we are beginning to um, have unveiled before our eyes, the meaning of what we saw happen last week in the events of Holy Week um, and in Easter, we are, you know, we begin with this by returning to this, um, you know, what happened on Good Friday, what happened on Easter Sunday, and our, really Easter Tide is an, un, an, un, an unfolding of those things and the significance of them, not only for us as his disciples, but also for the whole creation. And this gives us um, kind of this, the, the immediate horizon of this that we're seeing here is what does it mean for the sort of the, the people that are sort of nearest to these events? And that, you know, has to do with the disciples who he called to be his own, but then also it has to do with the, the history of his own people and the fruit, the fulfillment of promises that were made. And this, and then Psalm 114 is a, a recollection of the Exodus, um, and, and seeing how, um, they're seeing how the, in the Exodus, the, the whole creation sort of looks vicariously at the Exodus event as something that has implications for the whole creation. Um, and so Psalm 114 being a very elegant little poem is actually a very sort of a dense theological statement um, when it's unpacked, because, you know, you look at, you know, the, you know, the, the, when Israel comes out of Egypt, something is being signaled to the whole cosmos. And that's reflected in the poetic um, images of the hills skipping like rams and the rivers being driven back. And there's something happening here that has an implication that affects more than just you know, a particular people group against another particular people group. There is a cosmic dimension to these things. Um, and so when we're seeing, we're seeing between these two Psalms, we're, we're starting to get a kind of poetic lens through which to sort of contemplatively sit with these lessons. Um, and that brings us to Zephaniah, which is, you know, as we see in Psalm 114, the overturning of bondage in Egypt. In Zephaniah, we're talking about the overturning of the captivity in Babylon. And like as in Psalm 114, we have that having a kind of cosmic significance. So in, in Zephaniah 3, we're, we're being led into seeing this as a, an event that, although it has a historical dimension, meaning that at one point in time, you know, the Persian king let the people of Judah go back to Jerusalem and ended their captivity in the, in the empire. Um, nevertheless, this has a sort of cosmic significance as well. And so it, it returns us to this sort of like um, this this sort of re this vision of the redeemed Jerusalem, which would not exist really in any kind of concrete form all the way through the time of Jesus. And then Jerusalem was destroyed. It, but the 
vision that Zephaniah is communicating is of a restored Jerusalem and around it, a restored creation. Um, and so the, it has a kind of a, it's located um, in the sort of the, the narrative, the biography of a particular people group, but it has a significance that goes way beyond that. And as we are going through Eastertide, we're going to start seeing how the implications of what happened in Jerusalem on a particular day, on the high day of this, before the Sabbath of the, of the last Sabbath of the Passover, we're seeing in this that this, this is not just going to pertain to Jerusalem. This is not just going to pertain to Judea or to Samaria or Galilee, or it's going to go to the ends of the earth. It's going to go to the edge of the universe as God made it, and it's going to renew the whole creation. So as we're looking in uh, John's gospel here, we're seeing the kind of the beginning of that be, uh, being unfolded um, and in a way that John, you know, likes to play with kind of he re, sort of recapitulates the Genesis story. And we remember back in, you know, in Genesis, the, you know, this, you know, the, the creation narrative begins with this, um, you know, the spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep and God speaks. And when he does, life comes out of these sort of primordial waters. And here on the, you know, in the, in the, in the sort of advent of the, of the resurrection, you see Jesus coming to the, you know, the side of the shore and, you know, the Peter and his buddies have gone out fishing and they've caught nothing. And what happens is the Lord speaks uh, and what happens, life teeming sort of embarrassingly superfluous life starts coming out of what was deemed to be lifeless, even by his disciples. And this is a way of sort of symbolically showing to us that, you know, this is the same God who is doing a new creative work now, who is ushering in a new creation. And it, it's this, the sign of it is, of course, uh, you know, doing what God always does, bringing life out of what it seems to be lifeless. So, you know, what it, as we go through Eastertide, I think, you know, one of the things we have to remember, especially early on in the Easter season, is, you know, for as much as Lent was a kind of cataclysm um, that broke us through a kind of severe mercy out of the complacency of whatever we were doing before Lent and the kind of routines and patterns of life that were not participating in a, you know, a living prayer in Christ before the Father in the Spirit. Um, whatever, whatever we needed to be broken out of, one of the graces of Lent is it gives us the opportunity to be snapped out of those ruts, out of those, com those complacent patterns. Um, but then, you know, as we come to the end of the Lenten season and enter into Eastertide, we need to hear again the, the oracle of Zephaniah. We need to hear again the words of Jesus on the side of the shore. You know, Lent can have the effect if it's left to its own devices and not integrated into a complete life of prayer. Lent has the effect of like look, making us look at our lives and being like, there's nothing good here. I'm in a lot of trouble. I am filled with emptiness and death. And I participated in crucifying the Messiah. And what is there, you know, what can, what is possible now for me? And Easter comes as almost a, an equivalently difficult discipline that just as Lent um, kind of yanked us out of the patterns of, of complacency and compromise um, with the world and yanked us into a season of, of intense discipline that could that taught us that we had freedom to say yes and no in meaningful ways. So now in Easter, we're, we're called to come out of that and say, you know, whatever you saw in, your, in the interior space of your heart during Lent, just know that whether it is light or dark, that God is with us there, that he has illuminated the heavens, that he has illuminated the darkness, and that 
wherever we find ourselves coming out of Lent, whether it's with a kind of wide-eyed terror at what we saw, or whether it's with a kind of, you know, sort of an exhaustion of soul needing renewal, Jesus is waiting to meet us there. And as, you know, he says, as the Lord says to Zephaniah, right, the Lord, your God is among you. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. Um, and I think as we go into Easter, I know I need to hear that again. And I, and I think most of us do. And so that I, that I think is what the Spirit has for us as we come into this, at the, to the end of this octave of, of Easter day and enter into the season of Easter now is that we might be drawn with gentleness out of the rigors of Lent and into the joy of Easter, because now that it is our meat right and bound in Christian duty. And we'll turn now to our intercession. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities, for his sake who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. And thanks to Aaliyah, my co-leader. Hope you all have a wonderful start to your evening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Hayden. Good night, everybody. Good night.